0: welcome richard to uh contract negotiations for the uh sixth season of the red voices podcast uh, obviously you know you're a very uh key member of the team so we just wanted to mm. know what it is that we can do as a group to keep you, you know, keep you with us and get you signed on for another season what are your terms
1: you sounded awfully boris then I thought.
0: i thought by the way oh okay well in, i mean in, in this is tone. a bit so yeah carry on with the bit at least richard come on <laughs> um I, can you can you make our football team win more games uh no i can offer you exactly the same terms you've had for the last five years and maybe a le- lesser fee
1: oh, i guess i'd probably that's probably the best thing i'm gonna get isn't it so
0: we're going for the six season of red voices everybody <laughs> everyone, welcome to a new season with the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. A pleasure to have you with us. You've got Ewan Leonard and him, Richard, to preview the start of the 2021 season and we couldn't be happier to have you with us. Plenty to talk about as we look on how Manchester United can set themselves up for this next campaign. But first off, pleasantries. Richard, how are we?
1: I'm not bad. I'm not bad. It doesn't feel like we've had enough of a break, but um, here we are. So let's get cracking again.
0: I mean I was going to ask how your summer's gone, but to be fair, I think we all know how each other's summer's gone at this point really is, don't we
1: well yeah when I mean, we we spoke about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, so the summer's been very <laughs> short and um yes, yes trying, trying not to catch viruses and things, hasn't it so it's it's not been it's not been a vintage summer, has it
0: no no I, I not one of my favorites put it that way no, I mean, I feel
1: like my my priorities have have repositioned a little um I have to say, I feel considerably less bothered about what Manchester United are doing in the transfer market than I normally would um <laughs> and and even less less concerned about the start of the season so um uh, maybe that's a good thing
0: i mean considering i was ex- about to ask you about those exact topics that's <sighs> hilariously poorly timed but still you know let's kick things off rich i mean obviously with every single football club uh, that's playing top flight football at the moment the setup for this summer has been Awkward, to say the least, obviously, with players playing in mm. Nations League, um, various transfers, you know, some players catching coronavirus. And, you know, and if you're really lucky, uh, getting arrested when you're on holiday in Greece, it's been a pretty disrupted summer for United, isn't it? I mean, I guess to me, I feel a lot of parallels in terms of where United are with last year in the sense that I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still has a fair amount to prove and I still think United as a team have a fair amount to justify to themselves going into a new campaign. How do you view it?
1: Yeah, I think that when we've spoken about other managers that we've had since post-Fergie, what we've been looking for is steady improvement, isn't it? Or a or direction, a direction of travel. And I think in the last few months of, the, of last season which still seems like it's this season but it's not you know I cer I certainly felt like we were moving in the right direction even if we ultimately crawled over the line in the Premier League and and whatnot but I think we need to be showing a little bit more organic development even if it's slow even if it's steady it doesn't matter as long as it is continuous because you know you look at Klopp as an example that's how Klopp got Liverpool where they are now he didn't do it overnight it took him what was it 3 or 4 seasons yeah. Um, and it and it was just slow and inst- it was slow organic growth wasn't it but you, there was always a direction of travel you could see what he was trying to do and you could see where they were going and i think that's what what i'm looking for from this season
0: yeah i'd agree with that i mean i think you look at the deals that we got completed by this time last year and the ones that we've sorted or the one that we've sorted out so far this summer mm. and you know as and i mean to be fair a lot of that a lot of the positivity or perhaps you know calmness I'm feeling is in a sense that we managed to get so much out of Bruno Fernandes in his first six months at the club you know I think you look mm. at what he provided for us in the second half of last season and it does, be, does give me a little bit more confidence than perhaps I would have had otherwise in terms of what United can actually provide because so mm. much of what we saw last season was uh, very one-dimensional tactics and inability to break teams down lacking creativity and then the second half of the season was characterised more by higher-end creativity, better chance conversion, winning games, and essentially never really getting shut out. You know, in post-lockdown football, United didn't fail to score in any single game. Even the one, even the two that we lost, we scored in every single game that we played. And mm. I guess you look at what United's ceiling is for this next 12 months, and I think... Again, it's, as you said there, it's in the season of building. You know, If we're going to look for the headline here, I would say that we're looking at trying to consolidate a third-place position because I'm not necessarily sure we've got the chops to really properly deal with City and Liverpool in the next season. But if United can show a bit more consistency, if we can avoid a, a drop-off off the chasm as we saw in the first half of last season, if we can start to bring in a few more players and if we can develop Rashford, Greenwood... Uh, Luke Shaw and get more out of Martial and form of a middle partnership with Pogba and Fernandes, then these are all going to be plus points that could put us in a really good place in a year's time. And I know that's not Mm. what a lot of people want to hear, but I think perhaps we will see during the season just how much work United still have to do to really get up to the top of the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the squad now, with the exception of having some more depth in midfield, which is certainly important the other issues are all exactly the same as they were a month ago six weeks ago um <clears throat> the players may or may not be as tired as they were i think what we'll probably find is that there'll they'll be somewhere watching the spurs everton game today actually I wonder if a lot of clubs will have very different levels of preparation, very different levels of fitness. And I don't want to lay to Jose Mourinho too much, but one of one of the teams today... Oh, please
0: do. It's the best bit.
1: Well, no, no, no. One of the one of the teams today was clearly very well prepared, very, very fit and on it. And the other one looked like they were still playing in a pre-season friendly and, and nothing was really working right. And I think that's... you will see that a reasonable amount. And, and I, I just... I do wonder how prepared United are going to be. You've, we've seen... Liverpool, for example, have played a number of pre-season friendlies and really had, even even as 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 susceptible as they looked yesterday, um, there was clearly still a lot of intensity in their attacking play, mm. and they've had those they've had those series of friendlies to really um, <clears throat> kind of get fully fit. And United haven't. United have had one friendly in which half more than half of the first team didn't play and you just wonder what sort of condition they're all going to be in when they come back what sort of team we're going to be able to put out next week you know is he going is he going to want to risk Pogba if he's not if he's only been training for a week or Bruno if he's only been back in the country for a few days or whatever and hasn't been training with with us and you you know we just we don't know what 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 11 is going to get put out for that first game And, and one of the things that kind of struck me was there was a I was reading a piece on the uh MEN website the other day and they were kind of speculating as to what the the first team of the day what might be and they were kind of saying well we don't know if Rashford's going to be fully fit from his injury we don't know if Bruno's going to be back we don't know where was going to be so they put out a team you know it's kind of like the worst case scenario team if we were missing three or four first team players and, and you're looking at Pereira and Lingard and, and Dan James again and you know just these guys who are yeah, they're okay footballers, but but the drop off from that first eleven is really monumental, and we're still in that. We really are still in that situation, with the exception of Van Bæk in midfield.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll come on to ins and outs a little bit later on, but I think I'm not going to say Ollie's had it hardest, but I do think that in comparison with several other Premier League managers, you look at the odd circumstances that have befallen a number of his top players. I mean, you know, injuries happen and Rashford, as we know, came out of the England squad due to such an injury that he was sort of hanging over from the end of last season. We then had uh, Paul Pogba contract, but then obviously recover from coronavirus, which obviously put his pre-season preparations back a little bit. You've had Bruno Fernandes, obviously one of our key players playing in Nations League. Obviously, plenty of players have been doing that, but that's hardly ideal. You then had our captain go away to Greece and have that incredible scenario where he was arrested after a rather incredible set of circumstances. So that's hardly helped. And then you've had, what, Wambasaka go off to Dubai, was it? So he's had to quarantine. Mm. You know, Ollie's had to... Yeah, twice. How, 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 did, how did I forget Mason Greenwood? I mean. Yeah. That's, that's something that's worth a minute or two of discussion because, you know, I mean, I, I saw Gary Neville's comments and quotes prior to the Spurs game this afternoon. And for someone who has been happy to sort of really hone in on what he views as injustices, I thought he was quite light on it, to be honest. I mean, I'm fully in agreement with him, and I would imagine most fans are that Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden trying to hook up with women when in Iceland on international duty was a really stupid thing to do. <laughs> like on en- mm. on england duty in general that's not a great thing in the middle of a global pandemic when you're traveling to a different country it, it I, I can't it's just dumb like there's no other word yeah. for it and it happens when you're young i get that but at the same time it, that doesn't excuse it you know and they were rightly yeah. sent back and i understand that it, it gives a stick for people it gives us a stick for people to beat them with and you know, they kind of have to face the music to a certain degree there. But then you've got The Sun coming out with, you know, a video of him, sorry, a nitrous oxide from when? What, prior to lockdown it looks like and trying to build, you know, continue a narrative of this stupid kid on thousands of pounds a week. And it's just, it's just gross. But And, and you know, mm. we'll, we'll talk about the effect that that could have on United and Ollie. But what are your thoughts on the whole situation with Mason at the moment? I just, I hope that
1: this is a wake up call for him every person's different every young person is different and no young person doesn't make mistakes that's very fair to say and it must be incredibly difficult being a young person and and, and achieving such a lot so young and being so wealthy so young you know you can pretty much have any girl you want you you know you, you you've got more money than you know how to spend everybody i'm abs- i'm sure that you know the the, the top end kids everywhere they go, everyone panders to them with within reason, perhaps except with the exception of maybe their own club. And it would be so easy at the age of seventeen or eighteen to just let it go to your head a bit. And it kind of just perhaps feels like that's happened. You know, from my perspective and for me as an eighteen year old, the idea that I'd have done that on my England debut, to have even sort of considered doing that seems is absolutely insane. But, you know, like I say, young people young people people screw up and I don't think it should be allowed to define him and I don't think he should be absolutely pilloried for it anymore. I think it's been it's come out, people have will have said what an idiot. He's put a statement out. What matters now is what what he does from here. If he keeps if he keeps repeating stupid mistakes, then there's gonna come a point when people are gonna say, look, you're being an idiot again. Hmm. But at the moment he's made he's made isolated mistakes, one of which was clearly a while ago. The other one was really stupid, but what he does now is what matters, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean to me the <sighs> The worry with the news that came out this weekend is is it feels like another example where tabloid press in Britain are trying to tear down a young black footballer, and it's gross. It, it's completely unnecessary, and it's disgusting. You know, and Neville was completely right, and he was saying, "In what way does it serve the pu- public interest to hear that Mason Greenwood yeah. has been doing?" laughing gas like who cares it's yeah. not of any relevance whatsoever and it, it's not a fair reflection on his character at this stage i would say to be bringing stories out like that and i don't uh, we know that the tableau press the son of daily mail this is their bread and butter it doesn't make it any more acceptable you know and to me, what one thing that does make me feel a bit more comfortable about the whole situation is that I do think he's an incredibly good club who are very well used to seeing their players be treated in this manner by sections of the British press. You know, We've been mm-hmm. here before with Cantona, with Beckham, tons of players. They know how to keep an eye on a player and they will make sure he keeps his nose clean going through the next couple of months. And I don't think, I'm not expecting Solskjaer to keep him out of the lineup for the game against Palace next Saturday, because at this stage, who knows, he's even going to be available. Mm. But yeah, I mean, going back to Oli's preparation, this is another thing that he's had to deal with, and it does make the whole situation a little bit more tricky to manage. And, you know, who knows what lineup we're going to see at the weekend and what sort of State United are going to be in. You know, I do think that... You may have to take the first two or three games of the season with a pinch of salt, due to our involvement in the Europa League, due to how fractured our preseason has been, and due to how what different levels most of our first team, that normal starting eleven, are going to be at. Because you know we counted them up. You're missing lots—seven or eight first first teamers for that game against Villa yesterday at Villa Park, and at least six of them you would say are guaranteed starters for United so it's far from ideal and i know that you know, i know that no club is going through an ideal preparation for their new premier league season at this stage no one is but at the same time united have simply got to try and deal with it in as best a manner as they can you know and yeah we will move on from that a little bit i guess just to sort of talk about transfers and i think you know obviously we'll get on to talk about uh, jaden sancho and donny van der beek shortly but you know, I was looking and looking back at the details of who we let go last summer and who's been moved on in the last year. So if you think about the fact that Herrera was moved on, Chris Smalling went away on loan, Romelu Lukaku was sold, and then Ashley Young away in January, and Alexis Sanchez got his permanent move sealed at the start of the summer. There has been some progress in the last 12 months for United trying to trim down their squad and move away some of these high owners who necessarily haven't got the quality that we need. But we've still got the likes of Andreas Pereira, Jesse Lingard, Phil Jones. Chris Smalling seems to be close to a deal to Roma, but that's been rumbling on for weeks, primarily because I think United are asking for more money than Roma are potentially keen to give. And it still feels like we as a squad are somewhat in limbo. How do you view it?
1: Yeah, I don't want to be too critical of United at the moment, and I'll probably get accused of being some sort of glazer stooge or something, but I don't think people appreciate just how difficult finances are at united this summer and i mean that would be the case for an awful lot of clubs not just united but for for a club with the that loses the amount of match day income that we are that has essentially had very little income whilst paying one of the biggest wage bills in the premier league in the world and committing doing the right thing and committing to pay even temporary staff throughout the the pandemic keeping on young players you know we've done all of the right things socially that we should do, but we shouldn't be we shouldn't take that for granted because you know for for once in recent years United really dealt with something in an exemplary way. Mm. But let's not pretend that we've got the money that Chelsea have because we don't, and a lot of people have got really angry about that. But you're looking at a club in Chelsea who are owned by a benevolent billionaire who <clears throat> sold their best player for over a hundred million quid, who then did, couldn't sign any players for a summer and so that all that money would have been banked and then will have had a transfer budget this summer and their owner is, a, is allowed under FFP to replace any losses due to COVID with his own money if he wants to and you're looking at clubs probably got 300 million to spend whereas you're looking at club as United that at, at the last set of accounts had 90 million in the bank and had to take out 150 million pounds worth of credit just to pay operating costs mm-hmm. over over this period. And we still don't know when it's going to end, when, when are we can allow fans back in, when are things going to get back to normal. And I think what you're seeing, this, this short transfer window, is that because so many clubs are operating on such limited budgets, I think you're going to see an awful lot of deals go right to the end of the transfer window. And that'll include deals for Smalling, for Lingard if he goes, for Jones if he goes. When you've got such a limited amount of money, why, why would you pay extra now and possibly prevent yourself from getting an, an extra player in? When you can leave it towards the end, and you know you'll get them a bit cheaper, and I'm sure that's 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 to a degree what United are trying to do with Sancho as well. I, I get the impression that we're gonna we'll have a deadline for Sancho. We'll take it as far as we can we can take it, and then if if it's just not doable because we we can't pay 120 million up front, we don't literally the club doesn't have it. Yeah. Then some of that money will be redistributed into a couple of other less expensive signings, you know, possibly. A left back like Reggian or whatever, or a centre back, or a, a cheaper winger, or or a loan. a winger on loan has been mentioned as well, which you know would make would make some sense. Um, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to. Can you imagine if it's Gareth Bale? Well, yeah, I mean, oh I hope not. Um, I can't I, honestly. He's he's rejected everything so far. I think he's earning. I think I think he's earning close to a million quid a week at Real now United aren't going to stump up anything like that and he doesn't and Bale doesn't seem particularly willing to put himself out to help rail out on on that and move somewhere else for less money and that's his prerogative really isn't it you know ultimately if his family are happy living in Spain if he's happy with his lifestyle who who are we to judge um but I think that would be a that would be a retrograde step for United and, and one that I think is quite unlikely anyway yeah I just, I just don't think United should be judged too harshly this summer. I know why people are, because you know we've given, we, we've provided enough ammo in the past through ineptitude to make people very, very trigger happy in, t- in terms of criticism. But this is such a weird summer, and I, I think we need to judge at the end of the transfer window rather than throwing toys about now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's an element, especially this summer, with the fact that as. You know, you noted we're operating with a pretty restricted budget, at least you know, in relative terms for United. There's still an element that United are trying to fix mistakes of the last seven years of transfers, and that's in terms of ingoings and outgoings. So, in terms of outgoings, we are perhaps asking more of buying clubs than we would have done previously because we've often sold on the cheap, and we've been made to. Look and quite people have complained about that.
1: that. People yeah. have complained about selling on the cheap. So, you know, to a degree, we can't
0: win, can we? No, no, and I think you then consider the fact that United typically have been happy to overpay to get deals done quicker, and that's at times us in the backside as well. So whilst I have got an incredible amount of sympathy with anyone who is incredibly frustrated with United for not getting the Sancho deal over the line, because United have been briefing so hard about it this summer, and counter-briefing as well in the sense that they've been very happy, to leak to the Manchester press pack that they are prepared to walk away and explore alternative options for a right-sided attacker, despite the fact that we know full well that it's a bargaining chip and United are trying to make Dortmund blink, which doesn't seem like they're going to. I do think... Yeah, I mean, who knows on that whole shebang? I mean, when it comes to Sancho, I... Do feel like it's going to get done, but it, it might not happen as soon as Oli would like it and the majority of fans would like it? It'd be nice if we could have that deal wrapped up prior to playing against Palace on Saturday, but it's not going to happen. It's not that window and right. it's not that kind of transfer. So we just take what we can get. And I think, especially for the start of the season, United just have to manage with what they've got, which is still a really good side, one of the best in the country by some distance. And as if we can get through these next few weeks, we potentially bring in a couple more players and just get through this game against Palace and the game against Brighton and set ourselves up for the next international break, which again is happening pretty quickly, then we get to the end of the transfer window and obviously we'll have a much clearer picture of A, who's gone out and... Well, one, who's gone out and two, who will have come in? And I think that's when you can fully... You know, with a with a full picture, judge United's transfer business. And so far, you know, I'm not turning my nose up at Donny van der Beek. You know, I didn't see the game against Villa yesterday, but uh, plenty of good things. And more importantly, it could potentially mean that we're not going to be relying on Bruno Fernandes to bail us out and slash create the chance slash score a penalty for us next season, which would be pretty nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's if, if nothing else, and I'm sure he'll be much more than a than a replacement. But it it means that if Bruno's not available, if Pogba's not available. Or if, if one of them's not playing very well, we've actually got options in midfield. We've got quality options in midfield. We're not going from Bruno to Pereira, Andreas Pereira. And so, you know, from that perspective, we're, we're better off. You know, if if we get to the end of the transfer window and the only player we've signed is Donny Van Bake, then I think we've all got reason to feel a bit pissed off. Yeah. Particularly given that United have clearly felt that they've got enough finance to, <clears throat> at the very least, pay a big fee for Sancho, even if it's not. 120 million euros or whatever it is yeah then then there, there, there clearly is money there to do something else but you know as a, as a start i think that was that was a really sensible bit of business a really good bit of business i think it was good value and i think you'll be a really good player for us
0: yeah i agree right before we carry on let's take a quick break support for this week's episode of red Boys. this is brought to you by manscapes the best in men's below the waist grooming manscapes offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels Manscapes have just launched in the UK and are bringing their waterproof long life battery electric trimmer to you so you can trim your nether regions in comfort with a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and a nice LED for those hard to reach places. As a loyal listener to Red Voices, you can get free shipping and 20% off of Manscapes products and packages, no pun intended, by using a special discount code. So to get 20% off and free shipping, use the code Red Voices, or one word, at manscapes.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscapes.com using the code REDVOICES. I'm going to with this last line because it's marketing genius. Manscaped, make your testies their besties. Rightio, so looking in towards this season, one of the key things that I wanted to discuss, Rich, with obviously, again, this is completely superfluous and based on the players that we currently have at our disposal, provided everyone that's currently playing for United is fit. But... What do you think is most important for Solskjaer to do when it comes into this next season, You know, in terms of making progress from what we saw last season into this next campaign?
1: I almost feel like, and this, this will be the case for a lot of clubs, but I think particularly those that are playing in Europe as well, who are going to end up playing in four competitions, I think that almost as much, we can talk about tactics, we can talk about coaching, but it's, it's almost going to be a case of who manages their resources best because because the vast majority of the season is going to be two games a week and that does massively disadvantage United as a, compared to a City or a Chelsea now or even Liverpool to a degree, um, although I think that they're really quite... Uh, you know, their squad is relatively thin. Yeah, I mean, I think it will almost be a case of, uh, you know, the the one thing that's clear is that we can't go every week for the whole season playing the same players in every game. No, I mean, you know, we just got away with it. We did it and we got away with it for a couple of months and we literally crawled across the line on the hands and knees. Whatever he's got, he's going to have to manage that, manage his resources really, really well. And, you know, I'm sure all of these little briefs and, and stories about him, banging on Woodward's door needing asking for to get players in is is probably true to a degree and I don't blame him because the quality isn't there behind behind it and I feel for him because he should be going into a into his second full season with having had a you know a full summer and pre-season and you know two or three players in the door and actually being able to say look this is to a large degree this is my team and I I think he's almost lost a summer in, ter- in terms of kind of building to, to actually do that. And it almost feels like his first season is just two seasons stuck together. It's going to be It's going to be hard for him. It's going to be really, really hard.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, the big issues that we constantly came up against last year were teams who we were expected to beat and being able to break them down. And as you mentioned there, the fact that especially post lockdown, we were relying on the exact same core of players to win the game every single game and, and he, he can't get away with that again you know and it, it is going to take a bit more tactical flexibility and usage utilization of the squad in order to get us you know in order to not completely ruin the team that he's got you know we saw in the games against Chelsea and in particular that game against Leicester in the league the last day of the season mm. we've just gas, you know and As good as that starting eleven can be, the fact that we've got creativity coming from midfield, we've got options and we've got three players who can score goals if given any sort of chance in the shape of Rashford, Martial and Greenwood, you need more than that. You need to have different options and different answers to the questions that are going to be posed to us. And if you look at the way in which various Premier League teams have either come into the league in the shape of Leeds, who provided a really stiff uh, opposition for Liverpool on Saturday night. You look at the fact that Everton have done some pretty shrewd business this summer and look to be able to compete. You look at the fact that Arsenal have, in the shape of Mikel Arteta, a very capable young manager, despite the fact that they haven't you know, spent a lot of money this summer, but a team now who look capable of doing at least something. I mean, it's still Arsenal, so I'm not necessarily sure how... Confident, I am that they're not going to Arsenal it up at some stage, (laughs) but the league is only going to get stronger, and United have got to respond to that. And that is not—it's not just about bringing in new players and strengthening the core squad and providing us with more options up front. It's about being able to be tactically flexible, providing us with different options, as I said, for different questions. And it is going to really be key for solskjaer coming into the second season, because as we now know. United have got much more threat about them than they had at this time last year you know obviously it's a similar group of players but with the fact that we're that much more direct when we play with Bruno with the fact that Pogba isn't relied upon to provide everything for us with the fact that Greenwood has turned into such a clinical finisher at the top level of the game you know I don't necessarily think there's a target on our backs but I do think that more teams are going to be wary of us and it, it could end up what we're going to play several games in this opening next few months where we are going to come up against teams that are sat deep. And United do need to be able to provide more possibilities for themselves in order to get goals. You know, it's going to be hugely vital for Solskjaer that he can be flexible tactically and bring in other options. And again, you know, I was talking to you about this. I do wonder if one of those instances, you know, one of the shortcomings that we were talking about last season was, you know, an over-reliance on the Mane-Matic in that defensive midfielder role. And Fred was utilised in the last couple of games in that typical Matic role. I do wonder if he's going to be called upon more often to do that
1: yeah i look at fred and he I, I still just can't work him out i really cannot work him out i cannot work out if he's actually good or good good sometimes or if he's not and it's just a mirage I, I, he's, he's a player i just cannot understand i look at him sometimes playing in that kind of holding role and i think yeah he's really had a good game there and then i watch him in other games and he's just absolutely hopeless he's all over the place so i this is the problem again one of the problems we have with the squad isn't just the quality after the first 11 it's the fact that so many of the players who are backups don't have the same qualities or don't have the same strengths and weaknesses as the person as the, the player they're replacing you know you've got Matic who's who's very slow very steady I think he's positionally very good but obviously he's not agile and and, and quick and you've got Fred who I think is less positionally disciplined but he's obviously more agile and, and, and quick and probably a little bit technically better. Um but I think he's also much more likely to you know, you you go from this kind mm. of steady eddy base of a diamond or the, or base of the midfield to <clears throat> to a guy. He kind of feels like Zebedee from the from the magic roundabout, although you may not re- remember that as a as a younger man. But but,
0: uh, but older <laughs> listeners will. It's just, I mean, I'm still <clears throat> thirty three, Richard, and yes I do remember the magic do you, roundabout. Right. <clears throat> yeah. He kind
1: yeah. it kind of feels like he's bouncing around on the pitch all the time and it's just all a bit a bit frantic and there's always always the potential for him just to slip over and or present the ball straight to the center forward or something. It's interesting that we've been linked with Thiago at, uh, at Bayern and I you know part of me says is that just something that the Bayern and are sticking out there because they want Liverpool to pay up. Or are we kind of sniffing around him and thinking perhaps if he doesn't go to Liverpool if we can't get Sancho over the line there's a guy we can use in the base of that uh, midfield who who can just he's not a tackler or sort of destroyer in in the sense that Matic is he's a very different player he's a playmaker but but there's another guy an experienced guy that we can we can use there and it would leave us with a really really world-class midfield
0: I mean my hypothesis for that at the minute is that United are prepping for the fact that they might not get Sancho because I mean Dortmund yeah. have not altered their asking price which obviously is their what's the word searching for it's their prerogative they they, they don't have to reduce the asking price that's what they believe Sancho is worth that's their right to do and United have known about this for a long long time and I do wonder if there's part of their planning this summer when it comes to talks with that may or may not be happening with Sergio Reguilón from uh, Real Madrid who's been on loan at Sevilla and then with Sancho is that United are prepping up for the possibility of spending this money that they have which they look likely to want to spend elsewhere And to me, the longer this drags on, the more inclined I am to perhaps look at bringing in two or three players with that Sancho money than just spending all of that money later on in the window to bring in one player. That's just my perspective on it. One big question that I do have to ask you before we get on to discussing other parts of this wonderful club of ours, the De Gea situation. So since we've last spoken, I think we kind of knew that Dean Henderson was going to be coming in regardless. But Dean Henderson started the game against Palace, sorry, uh, Villa at the weekend De Gea's obviously been on Nations League duty. I mean, how do you view that dynamic playing out against the season? Because to me, I feel like De Gea is one clanger away from being dropped at the moment, which is a really awkward situation to be in. Because he knows Henderson's circling. He knows he wants that number one spot.
1: He might not even start the season. I mean, the one thing that, that I think too is, is is the fact that we've persuaded Henderson to sign a new contract this summer. And part of that is obviously offering him a ton of money. But the other part is, you know, he's he's essentially just broken into the England squad. He'll want to be England's number one goalkeeper at the Euros next summer. He's not going to accept, well, come and be back up to De Gea, and if he's playing crap, we might put you in. And if you're OK, then, then we'll, we might keep you in. He's been told that he's going to get games, and he's probably been told that he will be competing on a level playing field with De Gea. And if, if that's the case, then I'd almost expect him to start the first game against Palace. I just don't know, but... I think if Ollie's kept him around, it's, it's it's surely been on the proviso that he's going to get a fair crack at becoming number one this season. And there are going to be so many games. I mean, you could play a different one keeper in the league and one keeper in all the cups or whatever, and, and they'd still get plenty of games. But I think Henderson's going to want a bit more than that. And It is really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely intrigued because if Ollie picks Henderson for Palace next week, then that says to De Gea, that says to us, that De Gea isn't—he's number one anymore. He doesn't have any privileges anymore. He's not—he's not the undisputed number one who gets brought back in for semi-finals. And even if Romero d- doesn't deserve it, he—he he now is essentially number two, and he has to earn back number one. And that's—that's that's really what De Gea needs because he's had absolutely no no challenge from anybody for the last two or three years, and his and his standards have dropped enormously. So I think it's it's brave volley to keep them both around because they're both going to want to play. Um, but I think it's in terms of both of their developments they'll both get games and I think they'll they'll both hopefully benefit from it
0: yeah I mean the last time we had two goalkeepers doing a job share was uh, Roy Carroll and Tim Howard dark days yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, that wasn't ideal. I I guess you could argue the uh last title winning season, uh it was something you know, Ferguson was swapping between Anders guard and David De Gea for figuring out who was gonna be number one. But I think we kind of all knew where that was gonna end up eventually. Mm. But regardless, yeah, it's a fascinating dynamic for what is gonna have to manage this season. And I do think that it is a stark warning to De Gea that um Henderson has come back into the fold and been given a long term contract. You know, we kind of expected that anyway because uh, I, I didn't seriously see him going this season especially not with the way that De Gea's, you know, struggled especially over the last 18 months or so or you know, two years if you really want to put it that way and again that's something that Solskjaer's got to manage because De Gea's not going to be happy being ousted but at the same time Ole really doesn't have much more I mean he's been very good when it comes to not necessarily picking people based on their reputation and he has made some big calls in the sense that he was happy to you know been off the uh, Romelu Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez because he didn't think they could do anything for the club and I do wonder if we're now nearing that De Gea endgame to be honest and it, it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out because you're looking at a man in Dean Henderson who is incredibly motivated to take that top spot obviously as you said there he's gunning for the starting place in Gareth Southgate's England side so yeah let's see how that one pans out We've a small favour to ask friends, if you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners and it would be hugely appreciated. Uh, Richard, do you want to discuss the Under-23s or shall I have a nice sojourn about our women's team who have had a very interesting week or two?
1: I'm happy to start on the Under-23s if you like. I watched the game against Sulphur City the other night. (laughs) how
0: fun was that <clears throat> well it was that fun was which, remarkable. which
1: united won six nil in a way in a way it was surprised because this is a group that's that, that, that's that at the moment doesn't have a striker the elements of it were quite makeshift but on the other hand there is some serious talent in in that squad not just with, you know i think most people's minds would would turn to to james garner who was he's probably going to go out on loan but also to hannibal medjbury who should be really good because we paid up to 10 million euros for him but but he is really good (laughs) um but there's others there I mean we've seen a bit of Ted and Mengi. I think can be potentially at a really high level centre-back and a personal favourite of mine is Anthony Langer who was absolutely sensational in the first couple of months of last season in the under 18s and then got an injury and missed a long a long stretch of the of the season but he's just he's so quick he's so technically excellent I think there's a there's a real a real footballer in there a real player that could could be good enough for United if he if he refines his game and United just had too much too much pace too much quality in midfield and just too much for what is a new football league team but one that was a kind of a mix of younger players and and sort of older older hands but we saw in the in the same competition last year that that United did well, but they, they had some really tough games against, against teams from League 2 and League 1, whereas this was, this was really a case of United completely outclassing um, Salford. And, and it's mm. exciting because I'm glad that, that some of these guys are going out on loan now because they need it. Ghana's been too good for under-23 football for the last year, really. We've seen Levy go on loan. Um, we've seen uh, Kovar go out. I'm hoping that one or two others will get, will get loans as well. Ethan Led. Again, was excellent until he got injured and had to go off. And he's another one I think he has the potential to be a first team player. I mean, you're looking at a squad there with f- probably five, five players, maybe six that that realistically could become Manchester United footballers. I think with with a fair mm. wind and, and hard work and and whatnot. And they've been promoted this year. They've they're been promoted back to first division of the, of the uh, under 23 league. So they're going to be playing some much better teams this year. So it's going to be quite good fun to, to watch them. But there's there's some serious talent there, which we can we can look forward to hopefully seeing something of at first team level in the next 12 to 18 months, I'd say.
0: Sure. I mean, I guess the, the £100,000 question is which player is best placed, you think to break into the side this season? Is it going to be Hannibal, do you reckon? It's difficult. I mean, obviously, I, I, we'd expect Garner to go on
1: loan. If Laird can stay fit, I think there's potential for him to get some minutes and possibly impress. It wouldn't surprise me if, if we had a couple of injuries and and Ollie's trusted Mengi to step up and play some, some sort of role. I look at Medgebury and I think last season there were games when he certainly didn't shirk the physical game, but he was still he still had a, a boy's body, a, a you know, a skinny skinny team's kind of body and and what what, one of the things I noticed against Salford was it was that he just seemed a lot more robust and that's really the thing that's that that's separating him from you know sort of first team potential level footballer right now it's just kind of that robustness and the ability to play in a really physical and very fast Premier League and I suppose but it wouldn't surprise me if he had an absolutely exceptional three months in the under 23s and it was clear that he was far too good for it that he could come in and get minutes in the cups and 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 impress and and kind of stick around yeah i mean even the langer i mean even the langer i mean i don't expect too much more than the under 23s for him this season but if united were missing a couple of players i'd almost prefer him to stick in jesse lingard on the right or or Wan matter or whatever for maybe for cup games at least because he's just something different he's something you know he's he's all about pace and and technique, and that's 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 what we're looking for on the right wing. We're trying to sign Jaden Sancho, who is basically both those things. Erlang sure. is obviously a far, far, far rougher diamond, um, and he, he, you know, to, I don't think many are as, as high quality as Sancho. But but he's just something there that fits what we're looking for. Um, so I think they've all got a chance if they if they stay fit and and play well for the
0: under 23s that all sounds pretty exciting Um, speaking of pretty exciting the women's team have been doing some bits so far this summer (laughs) Um, six signings Richard now Mm -hmm. the headlines are of course uh, Kristen Press and Tobin Heath coming from the NWSL Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Two World Cup winners in their own right. Obviously the fact that that league is not going to be playing a full campaign is playing a significant impact on why those two and Alex Morgan have signed for Spurs and Rose Lavelle signing for Man City. So there's been an exodus of the top level talent from the American team coming over to England, obviously, because the WSL will be, has already started. But then you also look at what other business we've done. You know, Ivana Fuso's come in. We've had Anya Bache's coming as well. We've got Lucy Staniforth coming in as well. And then Alicia Russo, just on the final deadline, I think it was. And she came on today and had a really great effect when United ended up beating Birmingham City 5-2. You know, the big thing coming into this second season in the top flight for United women was trying to close the gap between themselves and the nominal top three which is City Chelsea and Arsenal you know those are the Champions League teams and they're all of very high quality have been doing bits in the women's game for some time and United competed with them but weren't able to get many results out of them last season then obviously still a level below where they want to be in terms of challenging at the top end of the league right now the big difference between uh, last season and the first game against Chelsea last weekend was that United looked capable for the first time in a while of consistently bridging that gap. You know, Chelsea weren't, Chelsea did not have their best performance by any stretch of the imagination, but United really stopped them from being able to build ahead of steam and were good value for that draw. You know, it was a great piece of work from uh, Jackie Gronin to set up uh, Leah Galton for the equaliser relatively late on. United were good value for that and they've still got the majority of their summer signings to play I think so far only two out of their six signings have actually featured for the side so far so there's still injuries to the likes of Jess Sigsworth so there's still players to come back into the team you know they that victory today there are a couple elements that Casey Stoney won't be happy with (laughs) Uh, there was some rather slack defending that allowed us to go two one down in the first half and then katie za came back with a great free kick and united pretty much dominated the second half and scored three and good value for that five two win they're now off until i think it's the fourth of october so there's a couple weeks off now for them to you know mm. potentially lose momentum and try and readjust but it's an incredibly exciting time for the team you know there's Uh, real exciting mix of youth but also experience coming in obviously with the American internationals as mentioned there's more a sense that United are arguably the best placed team outside of that top three to really challenge for a Champions League spot I'm not necessarily suggesting that we're going to be able to challenge Chelsea and City for the league title this season I think that would be perhaps too much of a stretch but there's some really exciting things happening with the women's team this year, and I implore anyone who has been umming and ahhing about following them to really give it a try because Stony's got them playing some really good football, and there are a real good bunch of people to watch play as well.
1: Yeah, and you look back at it now, and you, you you kind of think it's incredible that we didn't have a women's team two and a bit years Sooner. ago. I mean, it, it didn't exist, and that seems a bit absurd now when you look when you look back at it. I mean, it's clear from the from the opening couple of rounds of of the of the league fixtures that there's an enormous quality gap and also clearly a financial gap between perhaps the <laughs> just yeah, perhaps bit. the
0: top sort of four or five sides and and the and the rest Chelsea winning 9-0 against Bristol City today yeah. was it yesterday Arsenal beat West Ham 9-1 yeah, I the, mean there is there is golf. I guess
1: I guess you also you're all I mean clearly clearly finance is an enormous part of that but there's also because the women's game wasn't starting from scratch obviously there was a women's game there before but in terms of the profile and the money that it's got now and it seems that clubs have kind of bought into that at different rates um, and, and so and I think that's that's showed itself in the level of investment that that, that various clubs are put it, putting into it at this point um, you know Spurs and West Ham are, are two that have kind of um, are slowly growing their, their women's team as well um, and but they're, they're clearly a long way behind the the the, the level of finance and development that, that Arsenal and Chelsea and, and City have got. And, you know, they've been playing at, at the top of the, the English game for years. And obviously United are trying to slowly build up to, to, to close that gap and eventually be competitive as well. And certainly the, the money should be there for us to do it. But you just still have that. That, that lack of competitiveness, it's almost like a t- two leagues, isn't it? And mm. what, what would be really great in the next few years is if those those teams down at the bottom could also slowly evolve and improve. And so you get a really, really competitive women's Premier League where you, you're not thinking, well, we've got this team today and, and it will be an absolute disaster if we don't don't ultimately stuff them.
0: Well, I mean, looking at the current setup of the league, and you look at the disparity of Mm. investment slash interest, I still think United could be pushing it harder than they are. I'm not suggesting that we haven't done good business in the transfer window, but you know, I think it could be pushed further in terms of you know potentially resources and interest. There is more that United as a club could be doing to push it, and then but you also then compare that with what's happening at Liverpool. Liverpool are in the Championship, and. Their women's team barely gets a thought, and this is these are until a couple of months ago, until last month, of course, the reigning European champions and the champions of the Premier mm. League. And they are under twenty got and relegated. As far as United, they're under
1: 23s got relegated in the last yeah, season, I know. You know. So sometimes behind behind the, the, the highly successful first team, there can be other elements of the club can be particularly deficient. United are in a position where whilst the first team has not been managed as it should have done over over a period of time, we are now at least investing very heavily in the academy probably as heavily if not more heavily than any of our immediate rivals at the moment and it's like really putting considerable money into the the women's team from basically you know it's kind of zero to 70 we've gone in in two and a bit years so behind the first team Things are pretty healthy. It's just translating it to that. But but as I say, you look at Liverpool, and there's a club that have hardly made a signing in two years, but are the Premier League champions and European champions. But but their their youth structure isn't necessarily in the greatest shape, and their and their women's team is is you know it's a bit you know it's almost embarrassing for a club of it was embarrassing for a club of United size not to have. A women's a women's team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got that moral high well, ground now. We have now. We, we? We have now but it was now. embarrassing at the time, and and it uh, and it should be a little bit embarrassing yeah, yeah. for Liverpool that they have such an under-resourced and poorly performing women's team themselves.
0: Right. uh I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you before we get to our listener questions. Are you ready for this? Go for it. Jaden Sancho, yes or no?
1: I'm going to go no, uh, and this should not exclude it in the slightest because I haven't got a clue, but. I just keep looking back to the financials and thinking, how how in God's name do we do we fund 120 million euro signing this summer? And it just All doesn't right. seem po- it doesn't seem possible. But I, you know, as I say, what do I know?
0: Where will United finish in the league? <clears throat> My head says
1: fourth, um, <laughs> just because uh, you know we ha- we clearly haven't done enough to be catching City Liverpool at this time. You know, we might do in the next month. I don't know, but we uh, as of this moment we haven't. And Chelsea have just been in such an advantageous position. The upgrades they've made, particularly to that front three, are <clears throat> absolutely enormous. And, and faith in youth, be...
0: Richard. Faith in youth.
1: <clears throat> well, yeah. I still, th- I think they will still be susceptible at the back. Um, but even in, you know, even in Chilwell, they they they've made a step up there. Um, and and it's going to be very very difficult for United even to 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 stay with them. I think so. I would imagine we might just be best of the rest. But, but I, you know, if we've got a couple of good signings, if we've got Sancho in, and if we manage to buy a centre-back or a left-back, I might amend that and say, you know, we've got a chance of doing a bit more.
0: Okay. Uh, Gareth Bale, yes or no? No, absolutely not. I mean, you know what my is going to be, don't
1: you? <laughs> well, you're Welsh, so
0: you're biased. But um, I, I mean, one of the God- best football players to ever lace up for my country playing for my club. Hell yes, you know I want that man.
1: But is he still? I mean, that's the question. I, I I don't think he's that player anymore, and I don't think...
0: Oh, think no, 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 a... Rich. I, no, no, I don't want you to put reason into this decision. <clears throat> Sorry, no. I want you to understand this coming purely from an emotive level. So, hell yeah, yeah I want that man. That's yeah, the only right. reason. Sorry. Well, I'm,
1: not, I'm not Welsh, so I have to apply reason. I, I think for, for those reasons, I think his his wages would be absolutely astronomical. He's not doesn't say fit enough. I'd, I'd question how hungry he is anymore.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, what you're saying is all completely legitimate, and I hear you, I understand, and I don't disagree with you. I'm also saying I don't care. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, I, I understand that. Um, you know, I, I can't really, I can't. You can't uh, really argue with that. no. Well,
1: no, I, I can't. I can't empathise. You know, coming from, from you, coming from the position of someone who's come from a football backwater. Obviously, I'm. I'm. I've, I've lived my life as an Englishman with <laughs> with lots of lots of I'm resor- sorry. Lots, lots of resources but 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 a degree of underperformance but nevertheless we've had some we've had some super players over a long period of time whereas obviously you're 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 kind of living off potatoes aren't you in in bread and, and milk so if you get some you know a nice rump steak comes along you're going to have a an enormous appreciation of it
0: yeah motherfucker, i'm gonna dine on that shit you know <laughs> um tiago and Cantara, yes or no i think ultimately he goes to liverpool but i it wouldn't surprise me if
1: he didn't go to Liverpool because Liverpool really seemed to be struggling for money this summer even more than United Um, then it wouldn't surprise me if we were
0: predatory and mopped him up I mean that he's an elite level performer in an area of the pitch where we lack elite level so if we can get it done fantastic why why not simple as that yeah Uh, Anthony Kendrick then with our first question of the new season reckon Luke Shaw will be a centre back this season
1: well it depends how we play doesn't it I, I think we've we've Ollie's shown himself to be adaptable formation wise and I think he's he's clearly happy to play him in a back three when it's necessary, but I don't think he'd play a back three every game. I think it, it's something that he'd he'd do on appropriate
0: occasions. Yeah. I mean if we bring in Raguyon, uh I do wonder if that's an option for Solskjaer going forward because, you know, he's arguably better attacking-wise than Luke, than Luke Shaw is, so why not? You yeah. know, And then it gives you the opportunity to shift Brandon Williams to the right, which is his natural side, or you can start using Diogo Dal a little bit more. Who knows? I mean, again, that'd be an interesting option, but I wouldn't necessarily be against it purely because Harry Maguire's partner has still not made himself be known. Uh, Owen Lee, uh, as much as he can be very good, is this Eric Bailly's last season, given Rocco and Jones are seemingly here for the foreseeable? Um, as far as Bailly theoretically you would say this is probably his last chance but rocco and jones are still here so who knows yeah I mean, like I think... they have survived by the skin of their teeth for years partially because there is just no one out there to buy them so if there's no buyers for him can you say it's his last opportunity no i think i think there would be buyers for Bai in
1: on some terms if he if he left i look at jones and jones unfortunately is just a knackered old shy horse now isn't he unfortunately I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't be a little bit better with a consistent period of fitness, but, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's the footballer he was. I don't think physically he's what he was. And Rocco's just Rocco. He's just, he's, he's always been average and completely mad. And he's he's had some use, but he doesn't play any football matches, so that it makes it very difficult to sell him. And he's on an awful lot of money as well, which is entirely our fault. Um, mm. <clears throat> whereas Bayi, I still look at Bayi. He's he's not as old as those two. I do still look at him and think there is a really good defender in there, but I just think that injuries and a lack of consistent playing have just stopped him from ever really becoming that player. And obviously, you know, a defender that's rarely fit is is not a lot of use to anybody. But I do think if if we did decide next summer, because it certainly won't be this summer, that, that we did want to move him on, it wouldn't surprise me if he got a move to a decent club. And I, I'd almost I'd almost like that. I'd love Eric Bailly to succeed somewhere. I just think that he's had so much bad luck with injury at United that it might be a little bit too late for him here. Um, mm. And as well, you know, if, if United do get a centre-back in this summer, I do think that we'll try and move Jones and Rocco out, in either whether it's alone or whatever. So I, th- I think this is probably buys his last, last chance.
0: Sure. Uh, also, is the lack of leaders problem being eradicated now with Rashford, Maguire, Fernandes, Van der Beek et al? Um, I would say potentially yeah i mean if you're going just purely by harry maguire's desire to swear at defenders around him <laughs> during these games post lockdown then there's certainly more of an audible presence about manchester united these days and i guess it's more sort of strength of personality in the players that we have you know i i don't know if it's fully eradicated united's sort of <sighs> lack of big leaders um but i certainly think it's getting better what about you
1: yeah, I think I think one of the benefits of Bruno coming wasn't just that he's considerably better than the player he was replacing. It was also just his attitude and his and his self-confidence. I don't think he's an arrogant guy, but I think he's a player who you know, he you know, I've moaned plenty about about him towards the end of the season, but he's a guy that it doesn't matter how badly he's stinking the joint up, he'll keep trying the same things and and ultimately a lot of the time he still pulls something off even though he's mm. failed the last Seven or eight times, having players whose heads don't drop if they're struggling is something United have really missed for quite a long time. You're right; there are signs of improvement in that area. Certainly, I think Maguire is one who who, who is is a leader, unless he's on holiday. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I, mean, I think he is a guy who's a leader. I, I was really impressed. One of the things that I, I loved about Rashford's development last season is he went from this guy who was potential. And kind of an, another player to being a player who, in the absence of Pogba, in the absence of Martial at points, and, and several others, really kind of took on the mantle of leading the team and being the, the player who made things happen.
0: He yeah, was a match winner.
1: He was a match winner for periods. I mean, he struggled struggled after injury, and you know, coming back towards the end of the season was he, he didn't really find his rhythm again. But but yeah, he stood up. I think he became a he almost became man this season. I think in in, in that no. team we still do have we do we still do have some areas. I I still think that <clears throat> I still don't think Luke Shaw necessarily has the character to to really be the best or drive others on. And, and no, it's, I don't think that's his fault. I just don't think it's his character. Um, mm. You know, a guy like Lindelof sh- shouts a lot, but I'm not I'm not convinced that he sets he leads by example. Um, and there's a few you know there's a few others that just we still have a squad with quite a lot of naive players who are, who are used to falling short and that's something we're working on but we need to evolve more
0: yeah Teddy has a simple question when is Sancho signing uh, I mean I'm fully now committed to the idea that you put forward that if it's going to happen it might happen towards the end of the window but the thing is one thing I don't necessarily think we've covered too much or there has been a lot of discussion on is even if United get Jaden Sancho I don't necessarily know if that massively impacts our trajectory into the next season I certainly think it gives us one of the best forward lines in world football, without any doubt. But that still doesn't necessarily fix our reliance on Nemanja Matic and his, you know, capabilities or lack thereof in defence mm. midfield. It doesn't fix our defence. You know, does it, can you honestly hand on heart say that if we sign J- Jaden Sancho that we're going to be gunning for the Premier League title this season? No. No, exactly.
1: No, I mean, it's always been an interesting one, but particularly with, with COVID. And it's almost like this deal that we've been lining up for almost two years and we've been in the players' ear for two years and talking to him. We've talked to Dortmund before and it's almost like we were going to do this, so this is the one and we're going to do this regardless. It just doesn't seem... It almost doesn't seem financially plausible to me and it doesn't seem... This is a summer where we perhaps do need three or four four players rather than one or two. If we get him, no doubt I'll go full Muppet and be absolutely delighted. And I think what he will give us or what he will add to is... Is teams coming onto the pitch and looking at our forward line and being frightened of playing us, mm. and I think that did that did happen a little bit, to, you know, in the second half of the season once Bruno came in and, and 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 we really kind of developed as a team, but teams still were aware that if they really pressed us, if they if they played with intensity, that our back line was susceptible, and that will still be the case. So it's a really it's a weird one. It's almost like we said we're going to do this transfer, and so this is what we're going to do, even though. The financial world has completely changed.
0: Tariq Amir asks If you were Ole and you know you can't get Sancho this window, what's your backup? Who would your alternatives in the market be? I mean, I'm not 1,000% sure who my replacement for right wing would be, or at least a right-sided attacker. You know, the players that have been mentioned not necessarily spring chickens. You know, you're talking about, by pure virtue of the fact that it's Gareth Bale, he's always an option. And then there's Douglas Costa, who is no spring chicken himself. And mm. Kingsley Coma would be an interesting one, but it seems like he's mooted to be staying at Bayern. And then, you know, beyond that, who knows? I mean, in terms of other players that we could bring in, I would certainly take Rigue from uh, Real Madrid. I would be... In- in terms of an ideal DM, I would love it if United had a proper interest. I know this would be a real pie-in-the-sky one, but in Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid, I think he would be mm. perfect for us. He is such a great operator in that deep-line midfield role, and I think he would really give us control and narrow the pitch where we so often lacked it. You know, what about, um, Give me a couple of names. Who would you go for if United don't get the Sancho? I,
1: th- I have a suspicion if we don't get Sancho, we'll we'll be looking at a short-term transfer uh, on the right wing either that or or a young player another young player that that will ultimately be the backup to Sancho because I think we've put so much into this deal that if we don't do it now we're still going to want to do it next summer in terms of names it's it's difficult it's difficult this summer I would love if we got Thiago in midfield just because of his his quality and one of the things that's really frustrated me is you know United really struggle with the press with with retaining possession in tight areas and and he really gives us, would give us an element of
0: control in that midfield that we just haven't had for a really long time. Yeah, well, the ability to pass out quickly and dangerously, and yeah, <laughs> that would be so huge for United. And to not have to worry about moving the ball so slowly and give us an option and be yeah. able to cope with that pressing. Because, you know, it's been such a feature for years of watching United in the post-Ferguson landscape that we've struggled with it so much. And that's been concurrent across all managers, pretty much. Mm. Um, uh, He also asks, if United do get Sancho, would you expect next summer to be quiet (laughs) transfer-wise? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, because there's just no end in sight for United getting put... We don't know when COVID-19 is going to be over. And I wouldn't necessarily bet on full stadiums happening this time in 12 months. I think it's so difficult to judge and that's such as you mentioned such a huge revenue stream because United have got one of the biggest stadiums in the country and they make so many millions of pounds every time we play a football game there not just from Premier League but from Champions League as well You know, if God willing we're still in the competition this time next year so yeah it's impossible to predict but I can't imagine us having anywhere near as big a season next summer if we pull off Sancho no. uh, last one of the night from Alex Warmore how hopeful are you that we'll sign a defender before the window closes
1: again I think a lot relies on Sancho i think you're right in what you were saying that that we've probably got a lot of irons in fires if sancho doesn't happen and i i would imagine that one of those will either be a left back or a center back
0: no i wouldn't disagree with that as well i think that united have done what they have found themselves doing over the last season or two which is getting especially last summer which is getting a lot of plates spinning and then deciding Mm. which one they want and then going for it you know they've spoken they haven't necessarily been linked with as many names as you would typically expect in a summer featuring Manchester United so I guess if they don't get Sancho I would still expect us to bring someone in who that will be I'm not so sure but you know we still got you know I hate to do this because it sounds like I'm trying to bail out the board and the Glazers and that's not the case but you know it's such an unprecedented set of circumstances and United still have a good enough team that can compete for you know the full season if they need to without anyone else without bringing anyone else in I don't think we're going to go for the league but we should be able to challenge for that third or fourth spot and get ourselves deeper into the cup competitions this next summer with the players Mm. that we currently have would I like us to improve on that great but if we can't this is one of the, those few scenarios where I'm kind of accepting the fact that we can't do exactly what we want in this transfer window, Hey, anyway, rich. anything more to add before we return for the palace game next weekend i mean can you can you believe it? It's been so long since you have football to talk about?
1: I know right um yeah, I'm not ready it's been It's been actually really strange watching the Premier League this weekend and it it's starting again, united not being involved in it, so from that perspective, I kind it's of liked a, it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's going to be yeah. It's going to be nice to get started again. Yeah. But I was weary of it by the end of the season. It doesn't quite feel like we've had enough of a break. But perhaps when when things start again, and depending, it would depend on how things go, won't it? You know, we if we 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 can always get behind or well, not get behind, but we always we're always excited and motivated and 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 really looking forward to seeing a team that that, that plays attractively and plays well and, and we all struggle when when your manager is Jose Mourinho or Louis van Gaal so I'm more I'm more excited about this season going into seasons with Oli than I have been about going into seasons with with the previous two just in terms of what I'm going to see even if we don't necessarily win more games
0: yeah do you know what I like to see hit me Angle Di Maria getting a goal chucked off her offside <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> that, that man that man De- de- um, devastated and, and upset is, is is something you could see a million times over and living a Border, of isn't it?
0: Oh yeah, it's A plus content. Very mm. good. Very much enjoyable. Right, that'll do because we've gone on for longer than we should have done but it's been a good laugh, Rich. I will catch you next weekend. Looking forward to it right that's us done for this week don't forget as mentioned we'll be back after the palace game next saturday evening we'll be recording at full time but in the meantime don't forget you can always talk to us on twitter should you so wish and i'm always free to talk on twitter so you can get me at, at you and then you can get rich at rich red voices paul at paul gunning one and the podcast itself at red voices mufc you can also find our blog at redvoices.net. and don't forget as mentioned earlier on any reviews or ratings that you can provide on apps such as the apple podcast app or acast are hugely helpful and very much indeed appreciated Just before we sign off, don't forget 20% off as mentioned previously and free shipping for all products and packages at manscaped.com using the code REDVOICES, all one word. Head over to manscaped.com and take a look at their actually quite cool stuff and we'll be back with you in a week's time. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.